Hi, welcome here at Feeling Terrific. I'm happy that you clicked on this video. In this episode, I will talk with my yeah, beloved colleague, um, Adia Katab. Adia is the one who hired me into ServiceNow, and for that, I'm really grateful. We will talk about um, leadership, but also what the personality has to do with it. Also, we will talk about her experience. We will also talk about having prejudices, but also how you can, or how she, um, yeah, dealt with them. And I hope you will enjoy this authentic conversation. So I want to welcome here back at Feeding Terrific. Today I have um, yeah, a guest with me uh, who is kind of close to my heart. And uh, because, or why that? Because uh, she yeah, has kind of an interesting philosophy. I have for attitude and train for skills. And for that, I'm, yeah, I will still be, um, yeah, thankful for, for a long time, hopefully for the rest of my time. But this was also quite a good intro, um, which I'm following also now and which is kind of uh, the mindset I also uh, do have um, as of now. So who am I talking about? Um, today I have Adia with me, Adia Kata. She is currently a senior director, talent acquisition, um, at ServiceNow. And uh, basically, yeah, was the manager who hired me into ServiceNow and um, not anymore my manager. However, um, thank you for the intro we had in the beginning. And um, yes, so today we will talk about uh, different topics and among them, um, basically why she works um, in talent acquisition and more interestingly, why is she being received as an inspirational leader? So we'll talk about leadership uh, today, but also what the personality has to do with it. And uh, yeah. Let's find out um, in the next uh, yeah, few minutes. Um, so having said that, thank you, Adia for, Adia, for your time. And I look forward to yeah, an authentic insight. Thank you, Christian, for having me. Sorry, I know it's long overdue. So thank you for your patience as well. No, thank you that you take the time. Uh, maybe having uh, the start with the most uh, difficult question, who are you? And it is indeed a difficult question because I've been wondering most of my life who I was <laughs> and still um, find it quite difficult. So I'm many things, actually. And, uh, you know, a bit about my my story and my, my background. So, you know, born in France, parents from the Middle East. And I think when you are... Um, when you are walking in my shoes, you're either too French or too Arab, so never good enough. And I know many children of immigrants feel the same way, but I think uh, I am actually all of those things. So, you know, I am, uh, I am French, I am a, a woman, a mother, I am an Arab, I am an, a Muslim. So I'm trying to embrace all of those identities that makes me who, who I am. So that's really on the personal uh, level, Christian. And now having uh, children born in the UK, you add even more complexity <laughs> to that because you have to be to show uh, appreciation for the society we live in here. Um, so, you know, trying to um, raise my children in a trilingual household, which is no easy feat. Yeah, and first, uh, yeah, we, we, we like uh, who you are, so uh, stay true to yourself and please don't uh, change or try to adapt or whatsoever. And also the, the second thing is uh, trilingual respect. <laughs> I would be too much confused uh, when it comes either to, to two languages, but no, uh, thank you for, for sharing um, the, the open words with us. 
and you also already mentioned it kind of a bit, but what drives you as a person? It's, you know, it's a really tough question, but I think one of my moral compasses is actually to do the right thing, whether people are watching or not. And I know that doing the right thing might actually mean that I can shoot myself on the foot in the corporate world from time to time. But if I have to have a moral compass, it would be absolutely doing the right the right thing, you know, for my family, for my peers, for my colleagues and, and my team at all time. Yeah. Do you have an example for us um, where it was kind of difficult to make a decision whether it would be positive um, yeah, for, for the company, for the corporate, um, or it would be for your moral compass? Hmm. It's difficult when your personal values and um, I would not bring example of, of service now. I think we're lucky where I haven't had a big dilemma that clashes with my personal set of values. But I do know in a previous organization where I have experienced bias and discrimination, and that was years back, I knew at the time that things had to be said um, that feedback should be given with no sugar coating but i do know that it was also almost career suicide for me right but <laughs> you're listening are you still with me yes you're still with me you're into my stories huh? i'm opening up so that was years ago um and i know you have a question around biases at work i have i have experienced experienced it firsthand years ago when i was a young you know young manager and probably the only person of color in in the management team if not in the whole hr team as a whole in emea and i have experienced bias um and sometimes you think it is imposter syndrome but actually one lesson, the key lesson I get from this experience without sharing all the the signals is many people will try to minimize some of the things people might say or things. However, it is truly important to listen to the receiving end, to listen to, listen to colleagues who are experiencing biases, whether those are subtle or whether those are really obvious in the workplace. And at the time, you know, after a couple of years in the organization, uh, my heart was not in the organization and I have asked for, for us to part ways. Um, and this is a decision I took and I know they tried to retain me for all the good reason, um, but this is a decision I did not regret. So the bottom yeah. line is, you you know, key lesson, you can't do your, your best work if you can't be yourself in the workplace. You can't be productive. Yeah. You can't be um, electrified to overperform when your best self isn't accepted in the workplace. And that's probably a big lesson for me. Because when I moved on, I took the opportunity to do contract work and I was absolutely amazing. And contract is I was hired really just for my skills on short-term basis to deliver on specific projects. 
Um, so that's, you know, it, it is a learning. Uh, there's no, for me, there's no um, hard feelings at all. In fact, there's no teaching without uh, adversity. If I have to quote uh, Malcolm X, you can't, you know, you can't learn if you don't face adversity. It was, it was hard, but it is a learning. It's a learning for me not to lead when I have um, a diverse work workforce uh, in my organization. Yeah. No, this. So first, thank you for sharing um, this with us. And um, maybe let me ask one question. So you just mentioned um, the experience, and that you, after this experience, took on um, contract work, right? How did you feel when you made the decision to leave? And how did you feel when you self-reflect on and saw for yourself that what kind of positive impact the contract work and the environment had on you? Mm -hmm. So when I left, I felt just relieved. I, I felt relieved. And I give you an example. Um, you know, often you can be in, say, on a performance plan because your your performance um, is not up to expectation. In my case, I was a top performer over and over again. But a change of leadership meant that from one day to another, I was completely put on the side and not included in key meetings that would in, in, you know, impact me or my team, uh, not having my voice heard at all. Um, and it was, you know, it was quite, uh, quite brutal. And I did have team colleagues around me even questioning, you know, why, why is that? Um, and we can assume, you know, is it because I'm, I'm a female? Is it because I'm a woman of color? Not sure, but I've been told also at the time that I was a bit um, too too direct, and this is one where you know I might not beat around the bushes when I talk, but I do know that being direct and honest is often a quality that we give uh, my male counterpart, or maybe in the unconscious theme, a woman like me should not be too too direct, but rather dominated um, so the for me living was the best decision I made absolutely however I have to say though I've built amazing relationship in that organization we are still in contact I've learned so much so I try to keep the positive but what that meant is when I moved into project work There was always a voice telling me, oh, be careful, Alia. Like, don't be too direct. Are you going to that interview, Alia? Are they going to accept you for, for who you are? Um, and I've had people telling me, well, maybe, you know, you shouldn't have a, a LinkedIn picture if you're looking for a job. You have an amazing experience, but they might be um, not willing to talk to you because of, you know, how, how you present yourself. Um, and what that can represent. So I had all those voices coming at me all the time. Uh, but what I had to remember is that I have worked hard in a country that isn't mine. And I have an experience that will benefit those organizations. And that I will find the hiring leaders who will see beyond 
beyond the surface and really dig into what I have done, what we have done as a team and achieve, but most importantly, what can I bring to the organization? So um, it took, I wouldn't say it was a trauma, but those experiences can actually really hit your confidence. And then you need some sparkles, either colleagues, leaders who are going to um, rekindle a bit that sparkle that was faded, but it's nothing but but good experience. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting how you set the narrative for yourself for the positive part. And I mean, I haven't experienced uh, something like that uh, so far. Maybe I won't um, ever will. However, I think from my, from my personal point of view, when you are able to, yeah, I mean, when you have the environment who supports you, who is there for you, who sees you as a person, but then also being able, be really being able to set the narrative for, for the right direction. I think this is key. And, uh, yeah, I'm really happy that, that you could do it. And, um, yeah, thank you for that. And I think it's uh, also a great, uh, shout out, um, for all the hiring managers out there. To, yeah, not just have a look on the CV, um, on the skills or whatsoever, but because behind there is a human, right? And it's about, mm -hmm. uh, about the person per se. And if, um, yeah, if, as you also mentioned, if the values someone has are not the same as, for example, the company has, then it's difficult, right? I mean, it's, it can also be seen nowadays a little bit like too much passwords, values, family, etc. But at the end, there's something behind it, I think. And uh, yeah, thank you for the shout out. Yeah. And maybe let's come to a different uh, topic. Um, I mean, you also already scratched it um, a little bit. But what does mean intrinsic motivation to you? You know, it's, it's again, you have some tough questions. So I'm, I'm going to try uh, to share my perspective without waffling much. But it's really doing, yes, if you look at it literally, it's the opposite of extrinsic motivation, something you do for, you know, an external reward. So intrinsic motivation is doing it for your own own reward, pretty much. Like what's driving you? And I know there was a question that I hated when I used to interview is, you know, what, what um, gets you out of bed in the morning <sighs> or what keeps you out at night? Um, but it is, if you think from a career perspective, and again, my philosophy on career success, like success can mean different things to everyone. You know, for someone, it can mean actually staying where they are and providing for their family. This is their definition of success. For other people, it might be moving up the ladder. For others, it might be actually moving sideways and touching different projects and and learning i think you touch on that in your in one of your on your podcast i think for me i knew when i came to the uk that i wanted to have a career in talent acquisition in in-house recruitment that i wanted to learn that it would take time there's no shortcut to success but i knew where i wanted to go and that I will take, so I will decide where I want to go. So also there's a plan and then you have to commit 
and then you have to take step, incremental step, so that when the opportunity arises, you are ready in a way. You're creating your own luck. However, I do think that there is also luck that can play with hard work. That's another topic of discussion. So it's deep, deeply looking back at what are the things that you enjoy doing at work and where do you want to go? And I, you know, I wanted a leadership role in talent acquisition. I had it. Then I went back to an individual contributor role because I knew that I would gain more taking a step back. And indeed, I took a step back to take two steps forward, if I have to use that analogy. And sometimes people just focus on title. They don't focus on the growth and the learning you can get from, say, a different industry, from joining the defining enterprise software company of the 21st century. Shameless plug here for ServiceNow. You know, when I joined ServiceNow, I went back to an individual contributor role, but I was completely sold out on the future of this organization. So don't think job title, think learning, think about the step that will allow you to grow, whether it is stepping into a different industry, whether it is working for a high growth company, whether it is covering different regions and country or learning from amazing leaders who can support you in this growth. Yeah. I no, hope no, that I... answers I hope that answers your your question. No, no, it does. And thank you for that. I mean, you, you really made a, a good point, right? Uh, because uh, the thing is, when you have kind of, I mean, as you mentioned, every person is different. And for example, in your example, you took a step back, but then two steps forward. And I think if someone is, for example, just having a look at the LinkedIn profile or CV or whatsoever, they kind of just see the obvious steps, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not necessarily steps, but um, stations, or whatever you want to name it. And then, but when you really dig deeper and ask the, the question, the why, it's really interesting because, for, for example, for you, you had a totally different focus on your mind or thinking on your mind where it does really make sense to make this step to gain something else to be better for whatever comes. Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, yeah, I think... Having this ability is kind of crucial when it comes to yeah, self-development or progress per se yeah. in, the, in the future, or especially nowadays. Mm. It's not just about uh, yeah, getting up the ladder, but uh, having, I mean, uh, you also already heard of it uh, probably, um, having a career portfolio instead of a career mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. So I really like uh, this wording and this mindset. Um, yeah. So having being open-minded is good. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Going beyond the, the title, and um, but it, it goes back to your why and your personal statement and goals. So I know we'll touch on executive hiring in in a minute. I do have some examples of of great leader who might have seen ServiceNow as a step back opportunity, but who are actually seeing that that small step back is actually two, three step forwards in terms of growth. Revenue development opportunities. Yeah, but before we come into that, uh, as you already kind of uh, teasered, um, uh, maybe another question in that regards: um, What role does attitude play 
when it comes to, for example, also bias or prejudices, but also when it comes to yeah intrinsic motivation and all the things we just talked about. So you know me, I'm I do rate people very heavily on the emotional intelligence, way more than the the intelligence itself. So for me, EQ is really the barometer for, for great talent. Absolutely. Because you might not have all the skills. Skills can be learned. And again, it's going to sound so cliche, but it's how does your team come together in time of adversity? And it's also a big test for any professional is how do they work under increasing pressure? How do they work? Um, when the wind is sailing in another direction, how do they collaborate? You know, what kind of attitude do they get? And by the way, I'm by no far no perfect, huh? Christian. <laughs> like I know myself. I know how I can react under pressure. I know that I can be, that I can lack patience. I completely know myself. However, I think I know the best hires I've made didn't have all the skills, they had the humility to learn and the willingness to take feedback and they were coachable. So call me old school. I mean, I have some books here, some of this one, of course, you probably read it, okay? All the, the chapter on character is brilliant. And this one as well, if you haven't read it, great Angela Duckworth. Um, you can have those books when you come next week in Staines. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And greet. So why passion and resilience are the secret, secrets to success. So I think um, if you read those books, you'll really see what makes the difference between, you know, a performer, top performer, average performer is not just the skills, you know, it's pretty much the will and the great. Um, again, those are all references, but I'm a true believer that uh, coachability, growth mindset are key to success today. Yeah, no, no, um, definitely. And I think maybe from a peer perspective, right, um, when, when I interact with, with colleagues and, and so forth, what I also really appreciate is when someone is uh, open-minded, as you mentioned, uh, coachable, but obviously uh, from a peer perspective in a different way, but uh, who's someone who's not very kind of limited to just their point of view, but really open to have this kind of discussion and maybe also to be open to new uh, perspectives. And I think this is also um, yeah, added, uh, what you said uh, all about. So, yeah. But the good news is actually there's a lot of talk about growth mindset, but you can cultivate it. You can absolutely, I think some experiences in life make it easier for you to adapt to change. I do think personally, I think if I look at, I always have something for the, the underdogs. I've always had something for people who are not, um, who might seen as doomed or might not have all the keys, you know, the social keys to succeed in life, but who go above and beyond. Um, and I think coming from a family of immigrants as well, if anything, 
they teach you, you know, an immigrant doesn't have anything to lose when they come to a country. In fact, a lot of them have lost everything, but they have everything to gain to rebuild their life. Everything to gain. And I do think some experiences in life, whether you are coming to a new country or not, can actually, can actually be a great foundation for you to cultivate that growth mindset. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Would you say that also, um, yeah, that gratitude is also something which comes into play in this yeah, uh, scenario? Well, absolutely. I mean, if, if this is a question, absolutely. Yeah. Being grateful. I mean, I'm not a fan of comparative optimism. Yes, you'll always have worse case than your case. And I think when when you experience tragedy, yes, you can always find someone else who, but I think it's so important to accept as well how you feel at the moment and not try to minimize for the sake of, you know, showing growth mindset. I think it's really important to look into the mirror and I'd rather have, a, you know, one of my team who say, I am really upset that didn't go well and then work on a solution, but to undermine or try to suffocate, suffocate feelings is also not the right. Maybe this is a French in me. Like we, we are the specialists in, you know, revolutions and saying <laughs> it as it is. Maybe this is a French in me, but feelings have to be accepted. And then we move on. And then it's okay. This is what you can control, what you can't control. Show me what is the way out of it. What's the alternative? Yeah. No, um, yeah, in, in, interesting. And I think uh, what I've also, uh, I mean, we didn't have that much time working together as a direct uh, report, but not, not, nonetheless, I really appreciate the time we had. I think it was much more valuable, uh, yeah, based, based on it. But uh, to be honest, I don't know how to make uh, the bridge now to another topic, <laughs> but I will make a hard cut. Are we done? <laughs> no, no, no. No, we're not on the best yet to come. Um, no, but, but thank you for sharing your thoughts uh, so far. Um, you, you mentioned it already um, in, the, in the beginning a little bit, um, but um, how or why did you end up in TA? What was the thinking behind? So I did a PhD in recruiting. No, I'm joking. It's no such thing, not yet. Um, I fell into TA like everyone. <laughs> I hope now people see recruitment as a genuine career path. I don't even know if there's any module at university under HR that talk about, uh, no, okay. Well, I fell into talent acquisition in 2006. Ouch, that's a long time ago. Damn, 2006. Sorry, I'm, I'm swearing on your podcast now. Um, I fell uh, when I did an internship for a search firm in Paris. And I know they were looking for graduates who could speak English. And I could speak English at the time. I, this was for me probably one of the best school because I worked with one of the partner, Pierre Angelica. You always remember the one who, I guess, told you everything. And I learned everything about market mapping, headhunting techniques. How do you close a candidate? 
What do you qualify? How do you build an offer? How do you get name over the phone? You know, we, we were doing headhunting over the phone. There was, I think LinkedIn was just becoming a thing in France. We had Viadeo, which was a French LinkedIn, but I don't think it exists anymore nowadays. Um, and LinkedIn was just becoming a thing. I've learned so much in actually making phone calls and getting rejection, but, you know, carrying on, carrying on, like the perseverance. And then you have finally your talent's ambition that match your client's ambition. And there's nothing more rewarding when uh, you see that talent join and grow um, and develop. So that's how I fell uh, into recruitment. And you uh, are obviously still in recruitment. And uh, since uh, four and a half years you are with uh, ServiceNow, are you still smiling? Yes, I love ServiceNow. I, uh, you know, and I, I promise no one paid me for me to say that. By far the best company I've worked for since 2006. So, so here, my pitch, when I used to do executive hiring, I would always sell the four P to executive candidates. So the P for purpose, completely bought into the purpose of making the world of work work better for everyone. The P for our platform and its capability or product. The P for the potential. I mean, when I joined, we were, what, 15,000 globally, I think, in EMEA. We would have been, can't even remember, but headcount growth has been incredible. So, 4P, I'm going to um, share them again. The platform slash product. The purpose. Now, the purpose is number one for me. I really need to, to buy into the purpose of leaders, companies. The product, the potential, and the P for people. Those four Ps are just, I think, ServiceNow has evolved as an organization. And I feel like I've grown so much personally and professionally with ServiceNow. And thanks to ServiceNow, it's, you know, it's part of my life. Now, my husband thinks I'm workaholic, so I'm trying to be as good as a <laughs> personal at home than professional, but I... I've learned so much. I feel nothing, nothing but incredible gratitude and luck for the opportunities I've been offered in this company. Yeah. No, I think you also mentioned uh, something in the beginning that the values you have are also the same or aligned, uh, aligned with uh, what ServiceNow <laughs> has. And I mean, have, again, having uh, the yeah, possibility that uh, this is the case for everyone, for every company, uh, for, yeah, for everyone else. This is something rare and I yeah, wish everyone uh, the same because I think this is something which is a good foundation for uh, success and success can mean everything as we learned. So, um, yeah. Um, it is. I, I'll just add on that. We, we're not perfect. Huh? There's no such thing as a perfect organization. But what we do have, we have an ability to admit it that we're not perfect. Hmm. We have an ability to say actually we're going to be on that journey it takes diversity we're not go we're going to be on that journey it's not going to be a sprint it's going to be a, a journey we're committed in the long run we're not going to do short-term actions 
to just increase our brand. So amazing companies, we're not perfect, but we all have, and when I say all, it's not just the leadership. I don't think only leaders are custodian of the culture. Everyone in the organization are custodian of the culture. We all have an opportunity to make it work even better for us. That's what I value the most. Yeah. And you also already mentioned that um, basically for some people, it was also being seen that your step or your move to service now back at the time um, to an individual contributor role was a step back. But you also already mentioned that it was it was a step back, not necessarily, but objectively from the mm -hmm, outside, mm -hmm. and for you not. But uh, then you took uh, two steps, uh, yeah, f uh, forward, right? So, so the question is, how did the experience, the individual individual contributor experience, with also included the executive recruitment part, how did this shape you as a person who you are today? But also when it comes to your leadership perspective. So. I think coming from the field and the trench helps you as a leader because you do understand the pain point that your team is experiencing. So there's, it's nothing but I feel a plus. If you're too far removed from the reality of the field, then you lose touch with the reality and then you might struggle to support your team. This is my personal philosophy. And if you look at our sales leader, they get on calls, they get into the detail. You know, I don't know any sales leader who's completely removed from client conversation. And if I have to give an advice, is actually I was thinking about it. Do check in with candidates. If you're a, a TA leader, why don't you jump and try to close a candidate? You know, Why don't you give a call to someone who might not be completely bought in and help your team close on an offer? So ways for you to keep a foot on the ground, yet empowering your team. But if you are completely hands-off, then you might not even get the trends, the new trends that are coming our ways, right? Whether it is trends on... I mean, we've seen the great resignation to the great attraction to the great hesitation. <laughs> we went through quite, a, quite well, two years that have been quite eventful in the world of talent. Um, so I think coming from an individual contributor role at ServiceNow, although I was not worried, but you always think, will the team accept me? And they have. Actually, my credibility was that, yes, I know this manager, I can help you. I know this region, this is what I've done. Do you need my help? Yes, good, or you roll with it. So keeping a foot on the field, um, which you know I am a hands-on uh, leader and I will still be regardless of the level. Executive hiring has been the biggest learning for me on all fronts. Um, one, because I hadn't done it. I haven't done it previously. I might have done maybe two VP roles at the time, um, but I haven't done it as a pure focus. But not only that, we had a new president coming to EMEA, uh, Paul Smith. There was a pandemic. <laughs> I had a one-year-old at home and a four-year-old at home. <laughs> it feels like everything was meant for me to lose my mind. <laughs> However, 
going back to doing the right things. Work with a clear approach, methodology. In some instance, tr trust your instinct. But not all decisions have to be driven by instinct. I've learned more than I could have imagined. So I would say for anyone who actually wants to step into management, executive hiring is, is one step that can stretch you and challenge you. Most importantly is the responsibility that you have in shaping you know, the future of the organization by actually hiring the right leaders because that hire the impact it will have in the overall organization is massive not only for service now employees but also for us for the team as uh, as partners um but also you then operating for me as at the advisor level so you'll find that at that level, you actually have to run the process for your leaders. You have to brief their hiring team. You, you have to even advise who should be in the hiring team. And you have to help drive the right decision through a consistent, simple, again, not complicated. You don't want to overcomplicate a hiring process at that level. Simple, focusing on the right outcome and um, impactful hiring. So that was an amazing experience, more than two years and a half, absolutely loved it. Um, I still keep an eye out. I know Charlotte is doing an amazing job um, in the MEA, um, but this, is, this can be stressful. So it's not for the, for the hard fainted, it's not, um, but it, it's a lot of learning and, and a lot of reward. Yeah, I mean, uh, if this wasn't a pitch for the role, I don't know. <laughs> but um, you know, when 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 you talk about uh, executive recruitment, I always uh, have to think about the conversation we once had, uh, where, where you asked me a question: Where do you want to go? Kind of, and usually the yeah, usually you don't say, okay, I want to do, I want to be this or this because again, titles are my nothing, kind of. And then you said, yeah, I know Christian, but please, uh, where do you want to go? Then I said something like, um, yeah, may, um, maybe uh, a team lead or a manager and then, uh, no, the other way around, an executive recruitment and then also the manager or whatsoever. And then the response you had was the best one I heard so far in terms of reacting on, on my thoughts. You were laughing. You were laughing and you were saying uh, Christians or something that you, were, you weren't saying that, but you were like, Christian, are you crazy? <laughs> no, I think I tell you what you say. You say executive recruiter so that I can grow into a team lead. And I laugh and I say executive recruiter is way more difficult than a team lead. And this, and, and this is was, and because we see it as an individual contributor role, but to me, this is a leadership role, even if you don't have direct report. Mm -hmm. Because this is the high, we expect you to influence at the highest level in the organization and outside of the organization. And yeah. we expect you to help make hiring decisions that will really, again, shape the future of the organization and impact thousands of employees. 
So I'm sorry, I wasn't laughing. This is again me. I think I was probably smiling. <laughs> no, no, I, you know, I re also do really appreciate appreciate authenticity and directness. And uh, this was the perfect example. So thank you for that. It uh, was an eye opener <laughs> for, for this uh, question. Um, but also maybe adding on, on the experience you had and that it was also a progress and uh, development for you, right? Um, so if you switch now to personal development and add on it, um, how are you dealing with self-doubt compared or within the personal development? You mentioned also I'm already a little bit, but if you can dig a little bit deeper into that. So what self-doubt I have in general? Yes, so, so, so not necessarily what self-doubt you have in general, but for example, when it comes to personal development, you might come across, for example, what you also uh, mentioned in the beginning, that you think, okay, am I good enough or something mm -hmm. like that? So what kind of self-doubts have you experienced so far? So when you self-reflect, for example, and I mean, as you also mentioned, you are the person who knows yourself the best. So when you think about personal development, obviously it's not something like uh, this, but also something like this, mm -hmm. right? And when it comes to something like this, how are you making sure that you can rise up again? Hmm. You know, it's... It, so... I will try to be as humble as I can when I reply to you. I think I do have self-doubt from a professional basis is, oh, would I come across as credible? You know, English is not my first language too. Okay, Christian, and the way I communicate might not be seen as, as mainstream. Uh, I know for a long time, I used to uh, look younger than, than my age when I was a young people manager. Um, and I remember people coming in and going to my colleague thinking she was the people manager with, you know, with, with an assumption. I'm not sure whether those assumptions were, were biased. So um, I, I did have self-doubt. I, I don't know if it's a maturity thing, but now I'm, I'm thinking, you know what, it's okay if if I struggle with a task and if it's okay if we allow for honest mistake to happen, it's all a learning and you'll find that uh, I'm sure even our CEO has have self-doubt in some instances. I don't think I would be in a place where those doubts will completely disappear from my life. They are here to stay. So it's learning to work through that. But yes, when I have self-doubt, if I have to speak in public, I prepare myself, I breathe, you know, I think about my family. I do have some, some things that help me relax a bit more. I think about something that makes me happy. I think about, you know, the basic things of having healthy children um, and a healthy husband as well. And that makes me just um, put things into perspective. Yeah, no, I think this is also a really good thing, um, seeing or taking things um, relatively, right? Yes. So that, that, that also, yeah, I, this also grounds someone, and then also when, when you are grounded, then you take it with the right perspective. So this is a really good um, shout out. And um, I'm wondering, you know, how's your learning curve and mental roller coaster at service now looking like? And the question do they depend each other? 
Sorry, Christian, can you repeat that question? Sure. Um, so, so the question is, how is your learning curve and mental roller coaster at ServiceNow looking like? In the question it's still, the... it's still, it still is. Huh? So yeah. I feel like I'm always starting. This is the beauty of this organization. Again, you evolve with the organization. If you look at um, what Sarah Tilly has built in a year time, it's incredible. New TA operating model. We're now aligned by domain. They're going to be a new diversity strategy. We're going to have TA go to market strategy and priorities. So I feel like I'm learning all the time, all the time. That learning curve is ongoing, ongoing, um, never ending. Um, and sometimes it can be overwhelming, all the information, but it goes back to deeply, where do you want to go? What's the most important for your team and the organization this year and beyond? It's a never-ending learning curve. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the thing is, when I think about um, personal development and also about um, the organization, I mean, of course, the organization provides kind of a framework for yeah, personal development. But for me, for example, it comes all, comes all down to the leadership. If the leadership is... Um, yeah, approachable, accessible, but also um, when they uh, are not afraid of being uh, the, the people or the, the person who they are, then it's this the right environment, right, to, to, to strive and mm -hmm. to strive and also to grow as a person. Because at the end, let's be honest, um, a job is a job, a company is a company, but at the end, you are you. And uh, you, the growing of you as a person, is the most important thing um, besides family and, and so forth, right? So, um, yeah, the, this is a really good one. And um, also, when, uh, as we're talking about, um, yeah, and people and um, kind of the, the, the mindset, right? So recently we had uh, Ramadan, right? And uh, you made a LinkedIn post uh, where you made Ramadan more accessible for not Muslims. And uh, yeah, basically for empathy and raising awareness of the purpose, right? The question is, why do you think this post was so successful received by the LinkedIn community? So I'm glad it was received. And I think th there's been more acceptance towards different faiths at work over the years. Um, and I do have to share a, a story. I think I was when I was starting my career in France, very posh search cabinet. And I do remember telling my boss at the time, oh, by the way, I'm going to be fasting for this month. And he said, what is that? So I had to explain, you know, I will not be eating and blah, 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 blah. So sharing the very basic information of Ramadan. And I could see him panicked because I knew what he thought. He thought lack of productivity. <laughs> Complete. I do laugh now. Um, going back, and at the time I did, say, but don't worry, you know, I will still be working and I still have the sourcing project for you. Don't worry. But I could sense the nervousness that oh, I'm going to lose 50% of Alias productivity <laughs> at work, which isn't the case because you don't get distracted. If anything, you might not have the same energy level, but your focus is so deep and you tend, I tend to work more and deliver more in period of fasting. 
that's my experience. Although I don't speak on behalf of all Muslim, I have to say, okay, they will experience different level. But for me, it's focus, bam, bam, bam. All I do is work. <laughs> so I think it was well received. Well, I'm glad it was really well received. I hope it was. Um, it's an important month. Uh, and I think we should absolutely acknowledge all celebrations, not just, uh, not just Ramadan. You know, we should so acknowledge um, Easter. We should acknowledge, and I don't want to miss out any celebration here, but we had Pesa. What's interesting over the last three, two years is Easter, Ramadan, and Pesa tend to happen roughly at the same time. So this is also a great rem reminder of interfaith uh, awareness and how those celebrations should help us build bridge across communities. Um, and coming from, you know, I'm, as I say, I'm French and I love I love this country, but I know that uh, it, it, culturally speaking, uh, religion should stay should stay at home. Um, and I feel sometimes very lucky that in in the UK at least you can celebrate and and acknowledge that yes, we're going to be fasting this month, um, and yes, you know we will be. Um, celebrating Eid in the UK Stains Office. I think our cultural champion put up an amazing Eid celebration. So um, I think by actually sharing this, I hope that people will come forward and feel comfortable sharing their own experience, regardless of their faith. Yeah. No, I, yeah thank you for sharing your thoughts. And uh, maybe, maybe one from my side, uh, why it was so well received is because it was it was not a lecture, it was an invitation, and, it, and yeah, this is uh, my thinking and an invitation to be better humans, basically, right? So, really, thank you for that. Um, I'm going. It to is. I have to say though, sorry, and uh, by the way, we can. You know, if you have more time, I can join the call slightly later. But when you do that, what I don't want is to be the representative of one faith. So I just also want you to be aware is when I, you know, when I posted about Ramadan, I do not pretend to speak on behalf of all Muslim. And I think I did mention that actually some Muslim might, might fast and some might not for personal reason. Um, so it is about my experience as Alia and not as a Muslim woman. To be very clear, as Alia is my experience, but it's not me pretending to give, you know, advice to the whole LinkedIn community. So I, I do hope that comes from, you know, the right, the right place. Yeah, I think when someone is reading the post, then he or she will get it. So okay. <laughs> thank you for, for the reminder here. Um, I'm going to, to read um, a quote from you now. Um, so, I'm a change catalyst. I believe in people's potential. As a leader, breaking down barriers to success and allowing everyone to live their dream is my North Star. And you better know uh, that I uh, what you meant by that. And the question is, why do you describe yourself like that? Okay, so just know that this quote wasn't born overnight. It was weeks of work. And again, Stephen Covey, 
personal mission statement or the professional one. This is the best thing because this is who I feel that I am as a professional. Forget leaders and what drives me. Going back to the intrinsic motivation. Um, if you look about, if you look at some of our core objective here, supporting the sales team, headcount attainment for all of the MEA. Of course, this is a KPI, and of course, I would always drive for us to be on top of the headcount attainment. But what will make me truly fulfilled and rewarded as a leader is to help the team grow and to remove barriers to success. To me, this will be the ultimate reward as a professional. And I know when I do that, then the KPI of headcount attainment is most likely to be met and achieved. Um, so I did spend weeks to actually think about that statement. And change catalyst is also, if I look at all the experience that I had, whether those can be seen as negative, take the one where I experienced bias at work and unfairness, is what do I do with it? Do I, you know, take it and become angry or do I actually use it as a catalyst of change so that it won't happen to anyone else, so that I can be the one who speak up for my colleagues, so that I can equip my colleagues to become allies when they face such situations so that I can contribute in building a fair workplace for everyone. So this was really weeks of thoughts. Um, and I feel like this, when, when you read it, this is me. I feel this is me. And I completely uh, adhere to it till this day. Yeah. No, and, and uh, the thing is also, you know, when, when I'm... Uh... You know, when I when I look for for a company, right? Usually, I look also for, especially uh, for for a leader, and having a leader with such a statement first, it's a quite quite a good intro to the personality before you even have a conversation with this person, right? But also, it attracts much more talent, for example, to work for you, because at the end, again, it's about the leader, not about to work with me, with me, with with you. With no you. one works for me. With you. Good, a good one. And um, the question is also, you, you, I mean, you mentioned you you were working on it for for weeks, right? How how was the self reflection process within those weeks? How did you feel? How I had many iteration. Like I had many iteration of that statement. I think I had three, four iteration. Um, and I have to say, I'm also thankful. Service now, service now put me on a coaching development program for um, women two years ago, three, two, two years ago. Um, so the thought is looking, listening, you know, do you actually, does that represent who you are? Are you authentic with those words? Um, and then making sure that this will be your compass at all time. When you screw up, you go back to that. Were my actions, did my action match my statement on this instance. Yes, great, no. Then you have some work to do, Alia. So I think for everyone, this is a great uh, shout out and challenge that you will also do the same. And uh, yeah, let's uh, be curious uh, what statements you are coming up with. So I will definitely work on mine and uh, let's see how long it takes. 
but uh, challenge accepted uh, in this regard. Um, maybe, so we're coming um, at the end of our conversation, right? Um, maybe for the end, self-awareness, self-reflection, mental health, recharging, purpose. Password bingo or what? You know what? I, I, I'm, I read your question, but <laughs> I password bingo. I don't know how to answer that one, <laughs> Christian. Uh, you mean what is the most important? I would say for my team is, first of all, mental health, family, <laughs> work and wait. That, that's what I, I mean by putting things into perspective. <laughs> okay. Things for me that matter the most is the team well-being, their team well-being. Then the rest will follow. Um, so I don't know how to answer that, but sometimes we are so focused on tasks that are purely productive, but we also have to consider what productivity means for some people. And one of the best advice I, I received from a coach uh, last year was, she told me those words. She said, Ali, Ali, you spending time with your family and your kids is actually a great, it is a way to be productive as well, even if your manager doesn't see it. But this is you being productive as, for me, as, you know, as a mother, as a member of my family. This is an interesting perspective. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and you know the the uh, meaning behind this question is uh, quite simple. So it was meant to be uh, open asked kind of, because it's interesting to see how people react. Right. Mm. So what will they focus on? What will they say? How are the words received by them? Obviously, it's also um, again individually every time and so forth. So. Thank you for sharing your thoughts uh, on this one. With uh, having that, so we are at the end of our conversation and also time. So thank you for that, Arya. It was a real pleasure. Um, as we mentioned, overdue, and uh, but uh, as it was um, over, as it was overdue, it was much more special. And thank you for that. And maybe over to you for the last word. Thank you, Christian. Uh, big kudos to you and this podcast. I've been enjoying uh, listening to to the episodes. Uh, thank you for stretching. I know that uh, this was uh, a lot of hard work and it's still a lot of hard work for you to put this together. So um, thank you again and until the next one. And of course, I cannot wait to see you in person next week for the first time. Cannot wait. And this was also over, but that's another topic. I know. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, take care. Take care. Bye now.